I used to always think if I wasn't scared to get off the plane, then I wasn't in the right place. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. To be, it was just, you know, it's, it's such an abstract thing. You're just at home checking your passport, make sure you got all the jabs you need and, and, uh, and buying a plane ticket. But when you actually get off the plane and, um, you know, I remember stepping off plane, say in Cairo yeah, at about 2 a.m. I've got no reservation and it's just torrential rain outside and getting into this cab and, and uh, outside the airport, the cab, first thing he does is turn off the air music, which was a shame, yeah. um, cranks up Eminem and then just goes <laughs> flying down the highway. And, and he drives me into downtown Cairo. It's just unbelievable rain. I've got no reservation. So I'm just knocking on hotels. I eventually find one where I wake up the night, the night watchman. And, uh, and he, uh, we have a fine negotiation through the, through his closed gated gate, I guess, that kind of get into the place, you know, yeah. and, uh, where it's kind of inside at this point and he, and he offers me this room for just a, a ridiculous price, super expensive, a triple room, something I just don't need. And I, I'm like, oh, come on, mate. Like, sure. They got something a little bit cheaper for me there. Eh? And, and he looks at me and he says, is it still raining outside? I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, then no. there people welcome to JCB art studio my name is Joanna and I tell you folks we have finally landed the spouse and I were in our house and it's been a crazy six years it was six years ago when we lived in Brentwood Bay when we decided we were gonna sell our house there and uh, let's do something different Let's have a change. And God, we had no clue what sort of changes we were in for. So today is pretty special. This is my first podcast um, with an artist from the new location. And he has done some traveling as well. And I'm really excited to talk to, talk to him about his art. And before we get into that, I have to give a shout out um, to our contractor. She's not paying me to say this. But um, Jane of Marbin Construction, you rock. She was our project manager, our contractor, building this house in the time during the pandemic where you have shortages of everything. And she got this house together in like six months. And um, it's not a big house. But Jane, you rock, and I we thank you. Okay, on to the podcast. So today, from 
the Corey Scott Gallery. I have the urban escapist himself, award-winning acrylic painter, Corey Scott. Corey's art has won numerous awards, including the 2020 Award of Excellence at the Souk Fine Arts Show. Uh, Corey and I, I first met Corey, it was when we still lived in Victoria and there was a, it was through the Victoria Arts Council, they had a, a, an event where artists uh, got together in Dragon Alley and showed their work. And uh, I saw Corey's work and I thought it was really cool. Uh, his work is very bright and it, his works tells a story, his art tells a story. And um, I have a couple of the postcards right beside me here. So now on Corey's website, Corey writes that he was born a daydreamer in the prairie city of Brandon, Manitoba, spending his days fishing in the, and I'm sure I'm going to be pronouncing this wrong, Assiniboine River and melting coins on the railway tracks. Corey, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Joanna. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, you did good on the river too, Assiniboine. Assiniboine. Not bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. So, Corey, on your website, you have a documentary about you and creating art. And it hit me because um, there's footage of Victoria, and I love Victoria. Um, I love her new home, but I also am still connected to Victoria. And it shows the Johnson Street Bridge. And I walked over that bridge every day. And that's where I plotted my novel, Dealer's Child. And it, it was an awesome documentary, just seeing your process, seeing what you look for. So, and seeing the, the neighborhood. So how, how, did, how did that documentary all come about? I got pretty lucky, to be honest. It was, um, I was contacted kind of out of the blue over email by a fellow named Randy Freikus from Winnipeg. Uh, so Randy's an independent uh, documentary filmmaker. Um, and he just happened to see my page up on the Arts Victoria website. I guess he was scrolling through there looking for an artist uh, to do uh, a documentary like this for, for something that he was putting together called The Passion Project. Okay. So uh, The Passion Project was like a documentary series uh, of people who kind of made unconventional, sometimes difficult choices in life to follow their passion. And he was actually, funny enough, on his way down to Seattle to interview a fellow named Chris Ballou, who is the old front man for the band Presidents of the United States of America, oh, wow. um, who's got a great story himself. And uh, anyhow, he had to pick up his cameraman in Victoria and, and figured they would uh, do a documentary while they're in the city. Um, so I'm sure you know, you know, you get a lot of random things that uh, kind of requests or things through your contact us email on, on your website. Yeah. And so I kind of, you know, I vetted him out pretty good. And I saw that uh, he was from Winnipeg and, and he did a documentary um, of uh, the Royal Albert Hotel in Winnipeg uh, about basically the history of punk rock in the city. And I'm a big punk rock guy. Okay. So, uh, so once I saw that, I knew that, that he was going to be a quality guy and <laughs> I was all in. So I got really lucky. Yeah. It's cool. It's really cool. 
um, and it seems so it's very natural. Yeah, I thought that he really, you know, he guided through the process really, really well. Um, and obviously I was a beneficiary of the fact that you know, I got to post this on my, on my website. It's a great bit of PR for myself. Uh, but he really, you know, he's done several of these in the past and, and he did several as part of his passion project series. And yeah, he really has a way of, of getting into the personal and, and making these things pretty special. So again, sometimes, you know, you just put yourself out there and, and good things happen. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that uh, watching the documentary and, and checking your workout on your website, it, it blows my mind because I've done something similar and I'm wondering why do artists do this? So before we get into why, like you have stopped creating art. That's where I'm kind of leading in with this. Right. Right. So before we get into why you stopped creating and what, brought you back to creating. I loved the favorite memory that you you write about on your website. And I was wondering if you could share that, share that with the listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. So I lived in this house in Brandon that I largely grew up in on 36 12th Street North um, was the, the place. And, you know, it was it would looking back on it, you know, it was an extremely poor neighborhood and basically kind of small neighborhood situated in a pretty light industrial kind of area. Um, we had train tracks, just a few houses up from us, uh, all the, you know, the big CPR kind of tracks uh, that went through town. Um, so we had a lot of freedom in this place. Like we used to play on the train tracks. There was no, <laughs> there was no fences around it. You could kind of run wild through that side of things. And then if we went the other side of our place, kind of on the north side, uh, it led right up to the Assiniboine River and a light industrial area there. And it was all kind of, um, it was all, I guess, concrete and uh, chain link fences and gravel roads and, and just gritty. And I really always kind of liked that and remember the sense of freedom we had in that place because it was still the case where we could simply go out on our bikes all day long and just be home before dinner sort of thing. Um, but in particular, that place then, it had this dining room that we never actually had a dining room table in. It was just an empty room with a big window uh, and he used to back when I could just lie on the floor like that. I could just lie on the floor and, and draw away all day long. And yeah, for me as a kid, it was always these really complex uh, Transformer battle scenes. I just loved Transformers as a kid. And then later that kind of morphed somehow into hockey goalies. Those were kind of my first two earliest obsessions. But, you know, just back in those days where you could really, you just had no responsibility and you could completely zone out and just be happy as a clam sitting there doing your thing, uh, unimpeded by anything yeah. really, you know? Yeah. I remember, I remember doing that. I remember just sitting at the kitchen table and, oh gosh, I would have been, you know, 13, 14 and working on a charcoal, working with charcoal, doing a portrait hmm. and everything everything just disappears, you know, the school, kids, <laughs> everything, right? Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. Yeah. That's still the attraction. Funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> now, so I know with myself, like I said, I, I created art as a teenager. I wrote stories and books as a teenager. And then, um, at about age 20, um, I stopped. I always blame it for going to uh, Mount Spina College 
which is now Vancouver Island University, and taking Economics 101, I think, my, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think that killed any artistic creative <laughs> bone in my body. Um, mm -hmm. But it was about, gosh, I had about a 30-year absence before I started creating art. And I just, I think to myself, why do we do this to ourselves? So with your journey, now you leave, you end up leaving Manitoba. Right. You move to Victoria. And then like, and you say in your documentary how, you know, beautiful Victoria is and, and you love it. And I was just wondering why you, why you ended up stopping? Like you stopped creating in Victoria? Yeah, I think, you know, like you, there's a bit of looking back and you think, what the, what the heck was I thinking? Um, <laughs> you know, why would I give this up? But, yeah. you know, so I've, I've thought about this and I think it's just, there's a lot of factors that kind of call them all come into play, you know, at the same time. Um, for some reason, you know, we moved around a lot, even within Brandon and Victoria as kids. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was in Brandon, everywhere I moved to, I always seemed to find a new best friend who loved to draw as well. Okay. You know, so there was always that friendly competition and driving each other to, to do better and learning from each other, of course, as well. Yeah. Um, I also had this, uh, looking back on it, a pretty funny art teacher in Brandon. I mean, this guy, we had to choose between French and art by the time we got into grade eight. Yeah. And this guy, his teacher name was Mr. J. And Mr. J really, from my memory, didn't teach us anything. He basically <laughs> just left us to draw and always just drawing, nothing else, no painting, no nothing, just yeah. drawing in this classroom. But the ironic thing was that even though he never really taught us anything, he graded exceptionally hard. So oh. to get an A, and he would give you proper grades, A, A plus, this kind of thing. So yeah. to get an A plus on a drawing in his class was exceptionally difficult, and it was a big mark of pride. So again, I think that competition or kind of kindled the competition inside of me, and uh, and that certainly helped. Um, you know, other parts of it were uh, probably a bit more complex. I mm -hmm. uh, When we moved out here, we moved out here with my stepdad, Ken, and mm -hmm therefore away from uh my real dad um, and my dad's is where you know the artistic talent in the family comes from from his side of things okay. so you know without that my stepdad ken was a much different influence on me he was uh, very political very much about social justice um so i think you know kind of that combination of factors i remember moving to victoria and now my friends were into art and i did like the art teacher at our school and you know i think he just kind of uh, you know, you kind of grow away from it a little bit. I, I was a teenager at the time, a lot of new experiences. And one thing I do remember is trying to go back, you know, as I stopped drawing and it was always just drawing for me as a kid, Yeah. that the less I practiced, the, you know, kind of the more discouraged I became because I just always felt like I still draw like I'm 12. I've never, mm -hmm. haven't improved. So it just kind of became a discouraging thing and it kept me from drawing more and, I think at the end of the day, I just didn't see a future in it um, yeah. as far as any kind of a career path goes. And so it just kind of fell by the wayside over the years. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're back at it because, gosh, like I, so you know, the two prints I have, mm. it's the Red Fern Nursery, mm. which has the yellow VW van in the front. <laughs> of the uh, yellow house with the little yellow mailbox 
And there are three raccoons. I think it's great. I think it's great. And the detail, okay, and the brightness. And then the other one I have is, it's called Victoria, the pharmacy. And I think it's the Gonzalez pharmacy. That's right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. You know, the- it's, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, well, you know, I'm glad your journey brought you back to painting. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I just couldn't. I just couldn't imagine not painting anymore. Um, (laughs) Isn't that that wild, eh? Yeah, because I know when I was doing the questions, I was thinking, I haven't because we just moved. I thought, I, I, I got to start. I got to do some art. I got to do something, you know, because you know, just because life has been, like I said, I'm, I'm slowly living out of fewer boxes right now. Okay, (laughs) Um, so okay, well, that actually leads in really well because. So you're a teenager, you graduate, then you really got involved in traveling, right? Yeah, I was one of those kids who just became right obsessed with traveling uh, pretty much all through my late teens, all through my 20s. Um, And really, I mean, I could say in one form or another, you know, it's continued with me right up until today, short of maybe the last couple of years thanks to the pandemic. Yeah. But... But yeah, I got into traveling uh, pretty much right out of high school. So um, I was 19, I think, when I did my first trip, backpacking trip to Europe. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny. I remember being, when I was in school, I was always a pretty, I always got good grades, you know. Um, yeah. In junior high, I was a pretty nerdy kid. Uh, I started to grow up a bit more uh, by the time I was into high school. But mm-hmm. I still remember, you know, I've got a brother who, was extremely street smart, but never finished high school, as far as I know, anyways. Yeah. And I was just a student that kind of made all the right decisions at the time. And yeah. I always felt dumb next to him because he was just such a street smart guy. Yeah. And I really wanted to catch up on that part of my life. So I remember, you know, I get out of high school, I apply to go to UVic, I get accepted, and then yeah. decide, no, nah, I just can't do it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I ended up taking a job as a dishwasher, kind of purposely chose a very blue collar job, something that was very different for me. And and then I just started doing these backpacking trips. Um, basically did one every year for about 15 years, I think. Wow. Uh, and it kind of led one into the next, you know, it was a few trips to Europe and a, a cross Canada trip to kind of reconnect with some family. We're well spread out across the country. Yeah. Um, and then 2002, now we're already six years past high school. I've already been to Europe a few times and, and across Canada. And then I did this trip with some friends through Southeast Asia, um, kind of um, Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia. And that was such a, a game-changing kind of moment. Like I enjoyed the traveling through Europe, but Southeast Asia just, you know, I realized for starters that you could basically travel for twice as long for half the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that aspect of it, which allowed me to just do more and more trips as a, you go to poor and poor countries and it costs you less. But I also realized that, you know, just how much there was to see and do in these places. I mean, I remember going to Laos and discovering this place called the Kangxi Falls, which are just spectacular waterfalls or the beaches in Vietnam or Angkor Wat in Cambodia, which I didn't know existed until we were, you know, in Ho Chi Minh City about to cross the Cambodian border. Jeez. A few days before I end up, and and then you go to Angkor Wat, which is still the most spectacular set of ruins I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but it was also a big confidence thing, you know. You thought, wow, I can go to these places and feel really safe and have a great time. And 
And so once I did that, floodgates really opened for travel. Um, <laughs> we had some untimely deaths in my family, which led to inheritance, uh, or some inheritance anyways, which I blew pretty quickly on traveling. Mm-hmm. And, and it just one thing led to another, you know, it became South America, Central America, Middle East, uh, multiple trips to Africa. I just, any chance that I got, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. I used to always think if I wasn't scared to get off the plane, then I wasn't in the right place. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. To be, it was just, you know, it's, it's such an abstract thing. You're just at home checking your passport, make sure you got all the jabs you need and, and, uh, and buying a plane ticket. But when you actually get off the plane and, um, you know, I remember stepping off plane, say in Cairo yeah, at about 2 a.m. I've got no reservation and it's just torrential rain outside and getting into this cab and, and uh, outside the airport, the cab, first thing he does is turn off the air music, which was a shame, yeah. um, cranks up Eminem, and then just goes <laughs> flying down the highway. And and he drives me to downtown Cairo. It's just unbelievable rain. I've got no reservation, so I'm just knocking on hotels. I eventually find one where I wake up the night, the night watchman. And yeah. uh, and he uh, we have a fine negotiation through the through his closed gated gate, I guess, that kind of get into the place, you know, yeah. and uh, where it's kind of inside at this point, and he, and he offers me this room for just a, a ridiculous price, super expensive, a triple room, something I just don't need. And I, I'm like, oh, come on, mate, like, surely you got something a little bit cheaper for me there. Eh? And, and he looks at me and he says, is it still raining outside? I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, then no. <laughs> and I remember just, I remember laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing. Hey, fair enough. You got me there. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, those kind of things I used to just love. And one of the funny things about all the traveling I got to do was, you know, just by the by, I'm, at this point, I'm not drawing or, or really creating anything anymore. But one, it gets me right into photography, yeah. um, which very much ties into my art today. I was wondering if you took photos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was terrible at first, but, uh, but I learned to really create a good composition and, and to start to play with these things. Um, I also got to visit looking back on it, you know, some of the world's greatest galleries um, from the Louvre to the Tate Modern uh, MoMA in New York city, uh, you know, Picasso and in Barcelona or the Bodero or the Botero rather in, in Colombia. I mean, and then again, in some of these places, you know, especially, frankly, poorer countries, you know, you can go to a gallery and just, you know, I'm not buying Picassos here, but you can buy fantastic original local art right off the walls of the nicest gallery in Ethiopia or Uganda. Oh, wow. um, and that was really cool to be able to do. You know, you buy a painting for $200 American, come yeah. home and frame it for 300 Yeah. Uh, the irony of that, of course. But, you know, all those little things that even while traveling, it really kind of kept art uh, a part of my life, I suppose. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, that scene you just said about in Cairo, the author in me is thinking, damn, that'd make a good scene in a book. <laughs> 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 so I may be talking to you. If you get an, an, an uh, Instagram message from me, I'll be like, hey, you know that scene you talked about in Cairo? Oh, man, oh. just how you described it. By all means, I've uh, I've been I've been mugged, I've been extorted, I've been in all sorts of uh, ridiculous situations traveling in the past. Um, but you know, those things putting yourself out there is is where the good stuff comes from. So yeah. uh, it's okay, always so, worth it. Okay, so I have my rain traveling story. It's nowhere mm. near as cool as yours. Okay, so and uh, 
<laughs> nowhere near as cool. But our daughters were, you know, young. So let's say 10 and 7. And my husband and I had been driving a long time. And we were going on a family holiday. And just like you said, it was raining. And we knew we couldn't get to our destination. So we pulled over some small town in BC and it's raining and there's thunder. And I walk into this motel and I say, I'd like to rent a room, you know, two daughters, my husband and I, and the, the guy behind the desk looks at me and he goes, we don't rent rooms when the power's out. And <laughs> I, I looked at him and I said, are you kidding? And he goes, we don't rent rooms when the power's out. And I thought, are you kidding me? And Corey, it was like the gods heard me because boom, the power went on. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, okay, I'll take that room now. <laughs> right? you know? And so we did another room and I was just like, who does that? Right? You know? Oh. That's a, a true businessman right there. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Oh. So with your art, how would you describe for someone, let's say, let's say you bump, you bump into someone on Dragon Alley and they ask hmm. you about your art and how would you describe being an urban escape? Or how would you describe urban escapism for you? You know, I think to me, and it does come back to, to probably childhood and especially that place that we had on 12th Street North and Brandon, um, it's really about appreciating the grittiness of, of city life. Like, you know, I really like the beauty in the old, um, in, in alleyways and, uh, and weeds and decay, chain link fences, uh, you know, animals that amazingly live, I mean, have a completely adapted to living in our shrubs and flower beds and backyards. Yeah. Um, so I find, you know, I was always a daydreamer and it really... As part of, I think, it was probably accentuated while I was traveling, I was taking these photos. And I really learned how to compose a good photo, right? When you first started taking photos, mm -hmm. I would come back, you know, back in the, the late 90s, you develop your film, you get back these photos and you think, what the heck was I taking a photo of? I have no <laughs> idea. They're all just garbage <laughs> in my first couple of trips. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was always, or often anyways, traveling with friends and they would give you little tips and tricks. And, and soon I would start to think, well, what is it that I really like about the scene? And I'd really focus in on that. And, and I've continued to do that just while I take walks through the city. And most of my stuff is kind of inspired by walking through the city and just having a moment, seeing something that looks really neat, like kind of a natural composition that will emerge. But it's, you know, it needs to be a scene that's lived in. So in Victoria, that means, you know, Fernwood, Vic West, James yeah. Bay, some of the older neighborhoods in the city where there's such a, a cool synthesis between nature and humanity, between the things that we've built. But, you know, something that's built brand new just mm -hmm. is so stark and devoid of life. But something that's 50 years old where, you know, the cracks are starting to appear in the side of the of the stucco and dirt, you know, blows into those cracks and then seeds. And the next thing you know, there's weeds growing out of there. Yeah. Um, and the sidewalk is filled with moss. And, um, you know, that chain link fence becomes rusted and starts to come apart. And, and there's squirrels scurrying about your yard. Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of things always really appeal to me. So that's the focus that I try and do with my art is, is these kind of gritty scenes that let people appreciate, you know, the concrete, the bricks, the mm -hmm. 
just the the everyday nitty gritty of city life, which actually, when you look at it, is is pretty cool. And yeah. and again, that nature versus humanity, and how nature always, you know, humanity wins out for a short period of time when it's <laughs> fresh and newly built, and then you just watch nature as it slowly takes it back over and and kind of brings it home to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and I've always just loved that. So that's generally been the the focus of most of my art. Okay. I, I get it. Uh, yeah. Because I know, I remember I was talking with my friend Carol Ann and she was asking me, so what, what are you up to, Joanna? What are you doing? And I said, I'm, uh, I'm doing an illustration because I don't use paint. I, uh, I, um, I use the markers, right? The Copic or Copic markers. Oh, yeah. And I, it was a photo. I had asked the photographer if I could illustrate, and she said yes. And I told Carolyn, I said, I am drawing or I'm coloring pink bricks. I have three shades of pink. And <laughs> when I'm looking at this photo, I'm seeing pink. Like I'm seeing pink in the colors of these bricks. And I'm just, I'm going for it. Because when do you get to color bricks pink, <laughs> right? You Fair know? enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair okay. enough. So you're painting. Hmm. Now, that, that first sale, that is always so special. <laughs> and I wanted to know when did that happen? And was that like a, a springboard into realizing, yeah, I can have an art career? It pretty much was, yeah. So um, I really only started painting. So at the end of my traveling phase, when I was really determined once and for all to to get a career and stop mucking around, um, the first thing, of course, I do is I move to Vancouver. I go back to school and mm -hmm. and proceed to, to do a master's degree where I could travel extensively doing it, um, <laughs> as you do. And, and what do I do? I meet an Australian uh, woman straight away. Yeah. um and end up moving to australia uh, yeah. this is me settling down and um and while i'm there i ended up just you know randomly decide she had a set of you know acrylic paints and i borrowed them she'd gotten just a cheap kind of set for as a gift um and i borrowed them and and started painting a bit and and was terrible and yeah. thought okay well you know this time it's the age of youtube now so let's yeah. check out some tutorials online to kind of discover it so anyhow it wasn't until i was living in sydney australia uh, i think i was probably 37 something like that when i made my first sale yeah. um it was actually when we we're ready to leave sydney so we were, had decided to move back after five years in australia we decided to move back to canada and we had to to sell everything in our apartment in sydney so yeah. we just you know, put up a bunch of ads on their equivalent of Craigslist. Yeah. And people would come over to buy furniture, or kitchen appliances and stuff, and would look at the paintings and say, hey, is the painting on the, the wall for sale? Oh, cool. And yeah, yeah. And I thought, yeah. well, sure, what the heck? You know, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm selling these things for like 50, 80, 100 bucks. Um, there's a big four by three foot one that I sold to my landlord for 300 bucks. And that was the big sale, you know? Um, yeah. But funny enough, the moment was actually at the end of, of selling all that stuff. It was Sydney had this great thing. I think it's still there today. We only left five years ago um, where you can just put curbside garbage like once a month. You can put it on the curb, whatever the heck you want. It can be a living room set if you want. Um, yeah. 
And this counselor just comes by and picks it up. And so you could basically litter on the side of your curb without any consequences. And of course, they post on the council site when this pickups are going to happen. And so people could, you know, a lot of people just kind of made a living off it. They would go to these spots and pick out the best stuff and resell it online. Yeah. Um, so we've sold everything in the apartment. We've just got a handful of odds and ends left, including a handful of my paintings. Um, and actually a couple of original paintings from another artist that I had purchased from. Um, and I just, you know, I literally moved back to Canada with three suitcases. There just wasn't room for this stuff. So I put it curbside, went out, did errands for an hour, came back, and my paintings were gone, but the other artists were still there. Oh, wow. And that was actually the moment where I thought, hey, you know, yeah. I've, I, I like that artist. I thought they were quite good. And I thought, wow, if, if someone likes my stuff, then maybe I've got a chance at this. Yeah. Um, so when I moved to Victoria, I, I quickly kind of uh, decided to set myself up a website, um, yeah. looked at, you know, kind of did some research on pricing structures and started charging kind of real prices for my art, yeah. um, started entering shows. And then and then soon enough, the job that I had when I moved to Victoria, I got laid off from. Um, yeah. And I decided to to wing it and and try and see if I can make a full time career out of it. Cool, that's excellent. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> oh yeah, because I know. Okay, like on the documentary, hmm. you talk about uh, split split second images you see, and for me, when I started creating art again, it was like overnight um it was like the world everything you know like i say i talk about bricks you know being pink it was like <laughs> the the colors i just started to notice colors not just the building you know um the sky the mountains um like i said we used to live in brentwood bay and it was going over that pat bay highway by broadmead where yeah. you, you crap like you come to the like it kind of crests and you I see know yeah. exactly. Every time I used to come back from a trip, that was my favorite spot. When yeah. I'm coming back from the airport or the ferries, you hit that crest and you see the Olympic Mountains back there. Yeah. That's uh, awesome, awesome yeah. view. Yeah. And, and I started to think that I was actually seeing like real color. And do you, do you think as artists, okay, do we see more? Do we appreciate more or is it just, is it both? I think absolutely uh, yes to both, to be honest. Um, I think that we do see a lot more. You you can't help but, you know, when you start painting or whatever it is that you do for art, you know, you can't help but look at what you've done and then look at what you're trying to do and, mm -hmm. and compare them and start looking at, you know, um, what the difference is. You know, you mentioned uh, how you see uh say the color pink in in those particular set of pictures that you had of the bricks and and that's it you know you i remember when i started to paint you know well what's a brick it's basically a red rectangle so yeah. you paint red rectangles with bits of white in between for the mortar and mm -hmm. then you look at it and you think well that doesn't look like a brick 
yeah. uh, w- you know, what the heck's wrong here? So yeah. then you really look at the brick and you think, well, that's like shades of yellow and orange and red and, and purple and brown. And, and it's not really a rectangle. It's all beaten up and porous. And, and there's really no white whatsoever in that mortar. It's, it's all different shades of gray or blue or yellow. And so I think that you can't help as an artist, but see more because you're just constantly looking for it. And I think the further down that rabbit hole you go, the more you keep looking for it. You know, I've always had a thing with perspective and shadow. I just, I remember discovering perspective, a particular book I was given as a gift as a kid, um, Perspective Made Easy, Volume 4, Drawing Made Easy, Volume 4, Perspective. And it was just magical when you rediscovered a vanishing point and that, oh my God, I can draw this whole street scene that looks super real because I know what a vanishing point is now and and how that relates to everything around me. Um, I think that's such a big, big part of it. you know, and now I'll sit there, say I'm having a coffee on my balcony in the morning and you'll just sit there and study the shadow that your coffee makes on the orange yeah. you got beside it and how the shape of the orange changes the shape of the shadow that yeah. the coffee's, you know, and you just start going down there. And I think that, uh, yeah, the more you look, the more you see. Yeah. So, and, you know, there is another funny thing that I've just kind of discovered randomly, and maybe you've come across this as well in conversations with friends where, um, there's a, you know, I, I kind of have this ability, I guess, to, and I suppose not everyone has it, but to be able to look at a scene and start changing things in the scene in my mind while I'm looking at it, you know, what if that sign was blue or a bit smaller or just down a little bit lower so that it would create this effect on the building beside it. Mm-hmm. And you have that ability to kind of physically move images in your head and create compositions just in front of your eyes. Yeah. Um, and it dawned on me that at least a few friends, you know, they, they just had no bloody idea what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I'm, I'm, I'm working on. I'm, I, okay. So I also believe that, you know, you may be wanting to work on a painting or for me, work on a drawing or work on an illustration. Like I have one in mind. I, I'm, I want, I, I wanted to do, I want to do an illustration and she's going to hear this for Pip, my editor. Okay. And I've been wanting to do this. And I took some photos of her backyard, but I also think it's almost like you, whether you have to be not in the right frame of mind, but it has to be like the right moment. And Mm. it's like, now I'm looking at the photo I took. And just like you said, I'm thinking, okay, I think, going to add maybe someone sitting here on her deck right because she has these uh, yellow umbrellas and sometimes I think if you let's say I don't want to say rush sometimes I feel if you jump into a painting too soon you may lose out whereas if you kind of get to it naturally does that Mm, I think hundred percent. Yeah. You need to really be feeling what you're painting at the time and, and to know the mindset, you know, what is it that makes that, that picture that you've taken special? Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't necessarily come right away. And I've got, uh, you know, folders on my computer saved of uh, various images that maybe I'll paint one day, maybe I won't, but it's amazing how I can come across something that I took three years ago and think, yep, today's the day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you you see it again. The magic is rekindled, and and you think, yeah, this is. I know just what I need to do here. Yeah, this is. It's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So now what I'm finding is I, my gosh, I've lost count how many motorcycles I've illustrated. And for me, it was, um, okay, this having a gas tank and seeing the different colors and just exactly what you're saying, seeing the different colors in the gas tank that, you know, oh, at first it may look red, but no, if you look lower, it's maybe getting to burgundy and, or maybe there's some black underneath. Um, but what I'm finding is I want to draw something different. right? Mm. <laughs> and I, I want I want people to look at my art and think of a story, you know, because too, I really do think I'm a storyteller and I really want people to see a story when they look at my art. I look at your art and I think of a story, you know, like I could say with this yellow VW bus or the one with Gonzalez pharmacy, you have a, a bicycle in the front and I'm thinking, whose bike is that are they in the shop you know like that sort of thing so do you find yourself change like for changing have you ever thought oh maybe i want to do something totally different oh absolutely all the time you know there is uh at times i try to when i struggle to at other times um i think i find that the change tends to be a little bit more subtle you know it's more of a just a constant uh evolution um recently i finished a large series of commissions i was really fortunate to come across but you know doing commissions of course it also kind of takes your creative uh your creative time away where you're not necessarily just painting what you want all the time you paint what someone else wants um and that was actually kind of interesting because that did lead to a for the first time really in my life a real build-up of things that i was excited to start experimenting with um but on the whole, I find that mine is fairly subtle. You know, it's just more as I learn new techniques, as I learn how to do better color mixing, um, maybe not put so much in some of my paintings, learn how to really focus on one aspect of it and and let some other aspects of a painting kind of drop into the background a bit more. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of that. I am starting to experiment with uh, painting on wood panels. In particular, I've got access. Uh, my stepdad has a shop and I've got access to, to you know, all sorts of great tools in there where I can just buy a piece of birchwood, um, plywood basically, and, and create my own shapes. So I'm not limited to a square rectangular canvas. Um, but I think more than anything, what I really increasingly am trying to do is, is actually add subtle political messages to my art. Um, okay. I think that you know, as a, I grew up in a really political family and, and I don't want to be at all preachy in my art, but I like to just kind of make people stop and think, um, you know, I guess one of the, say, for example, referencing that VW uh, van painting yeah. with the raccoons in it, uh, there's actually four in there, by the way, there's a, a fourth hiding on you. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> one on the roof, one on the roof of the VW, one That's on the right. house. One on the sidewalk and one just sneaking out by that yellow mailbox. Yeah, <laughs> that's Ooh. the one. That's the one. Um, but, you know, at the end, of, I personally, I see that as even, you know, a subtle political message. Um, you know, raccoons are, for some reason, really maligned. Um, people hate them and see them as pests. And, you know, they're, what do you call them, trash pandas is, is yeah. kind of a, 
the stupid name people give them now. But, you know, to me, that's those are the scenes that make Victoria special. And, you know, putting those in a painting is a way of saying like, hey, we're going to lose something if we lose these things. You know, if they're living in a flower bed, like watching a deer cross Fort Street in Victoria in traffic, you know, uh, peak hour traffic, slow down and have to stop and watch the scene go through or ducks crossing the road in James Bay. I mean, I think this is just everything that that makes Victoria special. So I really do try and focus my art on these everyday scenes that Victorians see, but then yeah. to celebrate some of these, you know, creatures that some consider pests, you know, they're always trying to call the deer or the rabbits at Uvic or whatever the case is. And I think, you know, this is the good stuff of the city. It's what really helps make this, this, uh, you know, the city unique. And I think that, you know, when you're, you're talking about these things, a lot of times people don't want to hear it, but of course the beauty with art is if you paint something that looks nice enough, people will stare at it and you, you know, they kind of can't help but look at it and think, yeah, that looks pretty cool. Maybe those things aren't so bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know somewhere in my future, I took, I caught the photo of it when we just moved in our house. It was around dinner time. And I looked out the living room, kind of like, it's this big open floor plan. Okay. Hmm. It's a big open floor plan. I was looking out the window and there was a deer in literally like the, our, our rocky backyard, you know, just chowing down on whatever it reached up and started chowing down on. And we had been talking about landscaping and I just thought, you know what, that backyard's going to be a candy store <laughs> for the deer. <laughs> but then I thought, well, you know, Joe, um, they were here first. right? And, and literally they were, I have photos of them sitting in the middle of, you know, this lot before we even start building. Right. So, but that's, it goes to what you were saying. I would like, I've got this deer, I got the photo. I'm looking forward to drawing that picture, but putting in other landscaping, you know, um, than, than mm. just what we have now. Yeah, and I agree. I agree that it's almost like the animals. I'm just, like I said, I'm looking at the raccoons. They make it, I don't want to say human, but they just, yeah, they add, they definitely adds. That's a coziness to it, eh? Yeah. It's, uh, I've got outside my my balcony where I paint, there's um, a couple of squirrels that live in the, the big pine tree and right beside my balcony. And just beyond them, there's a little grassy knoll that separates my apartment building from the, the one across from us. And mm -hmm. there's family of deer that live down there. Yeah. And every day I watch these deer walk through our concrete parking lot. And just that look of watching them walk through parking, you know, empty parking stalls, the painted lines, uh, the cracked asphalt, I guess. And, and it's crazy. I mean, I'm going to paint that one day of these deer where you see nothing but concrete and these deer walking past it. But, you know, those things, uh, they make my day just about every time I see them. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll look, I'm looking forward to when you do that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we're going to, going to go from, you know, our animals to you were mentioning about commissions mm. and I was mentioning about commissions and I, for me, and I'm wondering if you've, you've had uh, a cool moment too with this, 
So one of the coolest moments for me was that with that first commission, it was from a photo and um, a lady had commissioned me to illustrate her husband's sprint car because he does sprint car racing. Nice. And, and it was, it was okay. I, I have to say it, the fat tires on this thing. <laughs> it <was really laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> and um, so I did it and she loved it. He loved it. And I remember when um, I stopped by, I stopped by her place and she had said to me, do you want to see the sprint car? And I went, yeah. And it was this weird feeling to actually, cause I had worked from a photo to actually seeing almost like in 3d, this sprint car. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's the white line along the side, which really gave me, which was really hard and which was like a bit of a pain, but I managed to do that. And, oh yeah, that was the tie, Like, you know, and, all these memories of creating this picture kind of, it was just so like, she's looking at me thinking, why is Joanna getting so excited looking at this, the actual <laughs> bar, right. And so then I was wondering, does that happen to you? You know, um, like this, this house with the VW bug, hmm. this is, this is someone's actual house and VW bug, right? Yeah, yeah, they live on Redfern Street in Victoria. Um, and uh, yeah, the title, Redfern Nursery, you know, nursery is uh, what you call a group of raccoons. Yeah. Um, but um, funny enough, I actually had a chance to meet those people. So I've kind of had that experience, I guess, from both angles. So I've yeah. had the experience of, you know, one day I just randomly walked past his house, uh, saw it, thought, what, how cool is that? You know, that's one of those magic moments that just appears and you think, yep, I'm painting that. Um, yeah. But one of the things I like to do after I do paintings is, uh, you know, I always get them professionally photographed and then I often make postcards of them yeah. and I go around and deliver the postcards to whoever's house I painted or business or whatever. Um, and I put a little note on there just saying, thanks for the inspiration. And so I had done that for a half dozen places uh, before the last Moss Street painting that we had in Victoria. Yeah. It must have been 2019. Um, and I had a couple of, of people who received a postcard show up and, and introduce themselves and, hey, I own this house. And we had a great little chat. And so actually a really neat story about the person who owned that house with the VW van parked in front. Uh, it turns out they're colorblind and mm -hmm. yellow is the color that they see best. And so that's why their house and their van and even their mailbox are all painted yellow. Um, and I thought that was really neat, you know, just to be able to, to have that kind of experience, uh, meeting the people and, and getting the backstory behind them. Um, and then I've, I've had a kind of story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of had something, you know, the opposite, which kind of more closer to what you were saying, which is, you know, just working for reference photos. Uh, yeah. And then you get to meet the person uh, afterwards or, you know, meet the dogs or whatever the heck <laughs> it is I'm painting. And, and, and you get their reaction from it as well, you know, of seeing it. And, and that's just, yeah, it's a great feeling. You know, it certainly, certainly makes it fun. It's part of the reason I enjoy doing what I'm doing because you get to, you know, kind of touch people in that way and, and, uh, and just appreciate the good vibes that come out of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned, I'm, I'm still, I'm curious about this, how you're now thinking about, um, painting on wood. Okay. And hmm. It doesn't have to be rectangle or square or different shapes. So that's, 
I wouldn't necessarily consider that a different medium. So no. you, you like acrylics. And I was wondering, have you ever thought of creating art with another medium? Have you dabbled in any other medium or? I mean, certainly uh, thought about it all the time. Uh, I haven't done a lot of dabbling. I mean, I do a fair bit of ink. I've designed a lot of tattoos just for friends and family. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, for acrylics for me, that's one I've only been painting for, I think it's been, well, it's about seven years this year. Um, mm -hmm just turned kind of my seven year painting anniversary. Yeah. Um, but I like the practical side of acrylics, to be honest. I mean, I live in an apartment, you know, having oil paint or something is yeah. just not really an option now with the smells and stuff that come out or, you know, having space to be able to dry paintings for months at a time. Yeah. Um, so there's a part of that. I mean, I like how versatile acrylics are, how, um, you know, it's kind of like paint with markers. I mean, really, that's what Copic markers at the end of the day are, I suppose. Um, but I think I'll do more experimenting once I think I've reached a certain point with acrylics. And I just don't feel I've reached that point yet. You know, yeah. I still feel improvement every time I do a painting. I still am, am learning new things every time I am at my easel. Um, but in the future, yeah, I would like to go into more multimedia stuff. Okay. You know, I really like... Uh, artists who can, you know, everything from paper and collage work to throwing pastels in there and inks and graphite and, and this kind of stuff. I think I would like to break out of that a little bit more. Um, if anything, it's just a matter of, funny enough, kind of finding the time because there's always yeah. something new that I want to paint and I want to paint it now and I want yeah. to paint it the way that I want to paint it. And that yeah. kind of means, you know, going back to the the old go-to of, of using acrylics. But okay. See, and, and that's why I picked up the Copic markers because it was something I could do during a lunch hour because they're versatile. Right. I, you know, I, I could take a sketch pad, my marker sketch pad, a few markers, and I knew what I, I wanted to work on. And yeah, okay. Okay. So Corey, we're coming near the end here. Mm. What advice would you give an 18-year-old Corey, knowing what you know now? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the simplest way I could put it would be, to be honest, keep at it. You're doing okay. Like, you're on the right track. Um, you know, 18-year-old me was, um, was surprisingly in a really good place. Um, I think that I had a lot of experience when I was young, you know, we moved a lot. I think I went to six or seven different schools um, by the time I finished grade 12. Um, you know, we had, frankly, a lot of family deaths that really, from a young age, made me think about, you know, the mean of life and what it was like to, to live, say, you know, if you know that the end is near. Um, and I saw people I was really close with go through these kind of things. And it really, you know, when I was 18, I was, I was becoming really confident. I was just determined to explore the world as much as I could and take on as much as I could. Um, so I think that if I were really, you know, I think it's kind of easy to look back and say, oh, if only I did this, or, you know, if only I went to art school, say, instead of getting history degrees or something like that, I think it's kind of easy to say, because it's so easy over time to forget the challenges that you were facing at the time and, right. and you know, why those were so important to you and why you made the decisions that you did. Um, 
But if there was one thing, I suppose that it would be, you know, for love of God, man, like, like try painting, you're going to love it. Um, it would be nothing, no great sage advice there it would simply be, you know, there was no reason I couldn't have done it all those years ago. And I remember finding drawing, maybe another reason I stopped drawing was I really found it quite tedious, um, mm -hmm. which it is. And, but suddenly you use paint and you can cover a canvas so quickly and mix mm -hmm. colors. And the world I felt was really kind of my oyster when I started painting. So I guess that would be it, you know, just, just start painting. It's, it's a heck of a lot of fun. That's cool. That's and uh, what I find really cool is see, I have taken painting classes in Victoria, and oh my god, I found it hard. You know, I I I I don't know whether it's the the control I feel I have with pencil and paper, right? Because that's how I start every drawing. Like, and there you go, right? I refer to it as a drawing, an illustration. So that's. That's interesting because, yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, I just thought it was neat how you could just, you could let go. And again, I mean, for me, it was all just entirely learning from uh, YouTube tutorials, whatever yeah. people would post up there. But it did take some time, you know, you think, how am I going to use this big fat brush and do these little details the way that <laughs> that, that person has on their video. Um, yeah. But, you know, eventually it kind of fell into place. But I think it was that being able to feel like I was accomplishing a lot quickly because mm -hmm. you can take a big brush and get a lot of paint on there and just start covering areas that, you know, I used to try and like fill in drawings in the past uh, when I was a kid with pencil crayons. Yeah. And, oh, I just, it so took forever. I just didn't have the patience for it, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what's, what's, you know, the thing with your documentary I like is you talk about taking each day, day by day. And I tell you that is such great advice, especially, Especially now, okay. Yeah. And, uh, so, taking that, what you're saying about take each day, day by day, what do you see in the future in terms of like long term goals or, or along those lines? I mean, I, I certainly hope that. So, I have actually gone back to work. Um, yeah which I've enjoyed, funny yeah. enough. Um, it's uh, frankly, I make a lot more money that way. And it, uh, it allows me to really uh, be super creative with art. When I hit the easel now, it's there's this pent up energy of just dying to get stuff on canvas where it wasn't quite like that when I was doing it full time. But, but ultimately, I would like to go back to doing it full time. I just want to yeah. be, frankly, more successful than I was. You know, I was able to kind of tread water, pay the bills for the couple of years that I was painting full time. Um, but I've actually found a bit of weight off my shoulders to not be doing that. Um, yeah. But eventually, you know, as I build clientele, as I my skills improve, as everything, I'm able to charge more, frankly, for my paintings, then that'll increasingly be um, the goal. And really, mm -hmm. that's kind of my retirement dream. Um, but I think, I mean, at the end of the day, to be honest, though, like the real goal is just I just want to be respected for uh, for the art that I produce. You know, I'm. I'm not really, a, I've never been a mainstream kind of guy. I, you know, I'm not willing to, to, you know, the old term in the nineties was sell out, but you know, I've always just, I want to paint what I want when I want to do it. And it's going to be done my way. And if it sells, it sells, if it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't care. Um, but you know, if I look at, 
you know, musically, uh, I listen to kind of everything, but my go-to is always goes back to punk rock. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, most punk bands to be a real punk band. You know, you're, they're all indie artists uh, who have all become successful through word of mouth, through just that kind of respect that they've gained over years and years on doing it. Um, or my favorite author is, is Tom Robbins, if you've ever read his novels. And, uh, and same thing, you know, he was never a guy that was always a very kind of bohemian, uh, indie kind of guy, but someone who really built up his, his reputation over the years and became respected for the visions that they put forth, not for how successful they were in terms of how much they sold or how much they were able to exhibit, but just, you know, the respect of doing it year in and year out and building that following and, and doing things your way in a way that's completely uncompromised um, and pushing people to basically see the world through your eyes. And hopefully if, if I do it well enough, then people will be happy to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You like, for me, I could, I could produce, motorcycle illustration after motorcycle illustration after motorcycle illustration after <laughs> motorcycle illustration right but i also want to do i want to do and i want to create what i want to create okay um i love drawing and illustrating clothes and you know some of them they work out they look great you know some of the you know fashion illustrations some of them don't but you know what that's what I wanted to draw, right? Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, that's, yeah, I, I get it. I so totally get it. Well, Corey, this has been fascinating. This has been really, really cool. Um, anything you'd like to add before we, we call it, call it a, a, a day? Um, I mean, I could probably do the, the usual plugs of, uh, of mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook uh, at Corey Scott Gallery. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to going back out doing real shows again. Uh, it's yeah. been pretty much about a, a couple of years since really been able to to get out there. And I know Moss Street Painting will be back on in Victoria this year. Oh, uh, cool. Always a spectacular event. And um, and hey, get out there, support local art, buy local art. Yes. Uh, it's surprisingly good. <laughs> yes, yes. And yes. <laughs> And Victoria is just a hub of creativity, for sure. Yeah. Well, well Corey, thank you. So, yeah, have a good evening, hey? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good night. Bye now. Yeah, you too.